0: Pod brought to you by Transition Solutions. Your host for today's episode is our founder and CEO, Mr. Fred Studley. The Troy Barnett episode is all about preparing for change with passion and a real value for competition. Troy walked on as a college student uh, to play football and gained a scholarship to the University of North Carolina. He was a free agent and walked on to the New England Patriots and played football. Successfully for over five years. He continued his interest in computer technology. Uh, Coach Parcells nicknamed him Laptop. An internship with Reebok and 10 years of employment there led him into a successful IT career at both Under Armour and SAP. Lastly, Troy's full career has been augmented by his role as a pastor, one of the more positive people we've interviewed in CareerPod. We know you enjoy. It. Uh, Troy Barnett, welcome to CareerPod.
1: Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, Troy, uh, you've had a very interesting career. Uh, Maybe we could uh, focus on your early days in terms of, uh, you know, your family life briefly, uh, what your mom and dad may have done, and what early influences uh, did you have in your life uh, that directed you in the path that you took?
1: Well, for me it was uh dad was a career military so he spent 23 years in the military uh i had three brothers uh little sisters so everything in my house was about competition <laughs> um i'm next to the oldest so uh, me and my older brother really had a competition you know silent competition when it came to grades uh athletics and so um i've always wanted to do better than him or be better than him and so. Uh, that competition uh, competition spirit ran real deep in my house. That's kind of the the, okay. the passion and the fuel that I have is, is really because
0: of the athletic arena that I've, I've been in. Okay. And that's uh, so important to have that competitive spirit, obviously, in the career path you took. Uh, well, you played uh, NFL football. And just jumping ahead, uh, uh, Coach Parcells nicknamed you Laptop. Uh so obviously that's foreshadowing for some other things you got interested in uh later in your life so i'll just uh let that hang for a minute uh when did you first start playing football were you a late comer when it came to football no
1: my dad had us in uh starting with pop Warner, uh at the age of seven um so we started playing Warner in washington dc uh, and played sports every year since and so it was a huge part of our life. We, that was every Saturday, practices after school. Uh, so football was just, uh, that was our thing.
0: Okay. And uh, we we grow in different spurts. Uh, uh, many people that play defensive line in the NFL started as a halfback. Uh, uh, what, what was your uh, first position you played?
1: Uh, for me, I was a – I've always been a kind of a big guy. I was a lineman uh, or an outside linebacker and, and, you know, Pop Warner. But like you said, I mean, I did hit a growth spurt. I left high school. I was maybe one, maybe 15. Uh, but the time I came back after my freshman year, I was 6'5", uh, 275. Ended up being uh, 6'6", about – Ninety-five, um, and then about another six months from that. So I kind of hit a growth spurt once I left high school. So I went from at, at North Carolina, I was outside linebacker. I went from being an outside linebacker to a defensive lineman. So I did hit a little bit of a great growth spurt late in life, but uh, uh, that kind of led me to um, be a defensive lineman. All
0: right, we won't talk about the fact that you're probably losing height now as we shrink as we get older, but we won't we won't focus on that. Uh,
1: I'm actually
0: getting bigger. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, how about, uh, uh, you know, for people listening, and, and there's a very small percentage of listeners. Uh, a lot of people are into athletics as, as young teenagers and beyond, but the percentage that play Division One football, and then on top of that, the number of people that have a, a career in the NFL is very, very small. But let's just make some assumptions. If if you had a, a competitive athlete you were talking to in any sport, uh, what general advice would you give uh, to an athlete?
1: Have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Okay. Uh, because uh, sports, is, although it is a great way to, to make a living, um, statistics will show that the average lifespan in any of the sports is not really long enough to have a career to the point where you you can be able to live off on the rest of your life, what you make financially. So you got to have something else that you can fall back on, something else that you can do uh, outside of sports. And so for me, I would say, make sure your grades are good. Make sure you have a passion when it comes to something in the, in the, in the um, academic field and make sure you're pursuing your passion at the same time uh, of, of playing sports.
0: Okay. That's good advice. Uh, I think we've all known people that have a, a singular focus and passion. And while it's to be admired, uh, it may have a, a beginning point and end point. And then without any preparation, they can uh, drift without uh, any focus. So that's a, a good point. Uh, I would Fred, um, bring
1: up a good point. I'll share this story. There were some guys that were in training camp in New England that when they got that knock on the door, they basically broke down and cried. Right, um, because they didn't know what they were going to do next. They didn't finish their degree. They had the, the possibilities, and they really thought that football was going to be their 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 focus. Uh, for me, if I got that, I was okay. Uh, I was going to go into the Secret Service. Yeah. I had my interview. Um, so I had Plan B.
0: Yeah, and I I think you probably uh, did it a different way. In that, I've long contended for athletes uh, if they're playing at the uh, uh, the college level, or they're fortunate to go into the pros, uh, there's pretty much anybody they want to call for a networking meeting, they'll get the meeting uh, because they have the rep and the pedigree and the network and relationships. However, after you get cut, it's amazing, I suspect, how many people won't return your phone call uh, because so you many, don't have that. So many. Okay. It's a diff,
1: it's definitely a different. It's a different mindset, so you got to utilize that while you have that opportunity. If you're fortunate to play in college, if you're fortunate to play professionally, you got to make those contacts while they will pick up the phone. Because, yeah. like you said, when your career is over, you you need to have some people who, you know, can can help you make that transition, and okay. and they're more apt to help you when they see you working towards that while you are still playing.
0: Right. Uh, back to the athletic career uh a lot of young people uh are working out more aggressively with different techniques uh and i suspect when you started working out as a young man uh it uh there you know a lot of dead weight lifting and and things like that now there's a lot of focus on stretching and and uh the kind of flexibility that you know, all athletes need have you seen a big change in what uh workouts you'd recommend uh for athletes in general?
1: Uh, I think you get it right on the head when you said that flexibility, that speed, um, qu- uh, quick starts, agility, flexibility is, is so important. You know, that they're, they're making athletes faster and stronger every year. Uh, and so, you know, you look at the combines and you got 300-pound you know, uh, linemen running, you know, four 840s, you know, that's just speed just when you think about it. Um, and so they're going to be constantly, This, you know, they're always going to be guys faster and stronger than you. So any edge that you can get from flexibility, from a mentality and study and, you know, anticipation, all those things play into uh, play into your, into your skills. So I think more importantly, that quick start, that flexibility, that um, anticipation is, is, is so important.
0: Okay. How about uh, mentors you had throughout your life? You mentioned your father. Uh, Any mentors of particular note when it comes to your athletic career or in general, Uh, whether it be a teacher or whatever?
1: Yeah, I had a lot of high school teachers that really impressed me. Uh, One was uh, one of my basketball coaches, Coach Merritt. I remember he, he, if our grades were not where they needed to be, would show up for basketball practice. And we were basically the whole basketball practice study. He Make us bring our books. He would shut down the gym. He felt it was so important. And I think I learned it from him that at that point that, you know, you really got to make sure your your academics is, is important because, you know, that sport can be here today and gone tomorrow, but education, they can't take away from you. Right. And so he was a strong mentor, had great coaches and coach Phil Padgett, and, um, you, you know, who are just really, who love to push you. Uh, to uh, to be better. Uh, my strength coach in uh, at Carolina, you know, even though I was a walk on there, he never treated me any differently. Um, and you know, when I earned my scholarship after two years, and when I got to the NFL, my strength coach um, was the first person to send me a letter, a handwritten letter, told me how proud of me he was. And at that time, he was a strength coach at uh, the Denver Broncos. Okay. Um, so, I mean, just guys that, you know, guys that I played with uh, were great mentors, obviously, uh, Coach Parcells was a was a, was a great
0: mentor, and like
1: i still today, and you know, I can call him or text him at any point in time, and he'll respond, so, I mean, it's just, you know, those things are invaluable.
0: Well, that's good, and uh, for younger athletes, uh, the whole, you know, normally we talk about management style, or, uh, you know, the typically, the type of direction that you can prosper in, in a, in a, uh, athletic coaching environment for all sports. What, what's the best style that you thrived under in terms of the coaching style, uh, the person had
1: up front in your face. Here's what it is. I didn't like, you know, I've had fortunate with, with coaches who just said, whether you were doing well or whether you're doing bad and what you needed to do, you know, there was no sugarcoating. There was no, it wasn't personal. It was, you know, basically giving you the tools to be successful and you had to figure out how you're going to get it done.
0: Wow. Um,
1: so I, mean, I love that style. Uh, even, even on the business side now, I'd rather for you to be up front with me and tell me where you feel I need improvement uh, to make me think that I'm doing well only to find out that I'm not. So I love that, you know, collaboration, that teamwork, that accountability, the things that made you a, made us made great athletes. I love that type of mentality in the business world.
0: Well, yeah, that's the kind of transferability of that uh, uh, skill set. How about uh, a direct question? Have you ever had a bad coach not naming names? And what did you or what can you recommend others uh, do when they're in that situation uh, to overcome it or to just work around it, if you will?
1: I will tell you this. Coaches have jobs, too. Their job is to get you ready to play on the field they're less concerned about you doing things outside of sports and so i've seen some coaches tell some players that you know if you don't come to the gym and you don't do this that or the other you won't be here next year if you don't focus on this and you try to do other stuff in the business world you're not gonna have your job next year so i've seen that done but i didn't care too much for um and so the player has to be able to weigh that the athlete has to be able to weigh that and understand that those coaches sometimes will tell you things that's going to help them. Right. You got to also understand you're the CEO of your own life and you got to make your own decisions on what's best for you. So you got to be able to do a little bit of both and understand that when it's all said and done, you got to live for you.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, and I think it's very transferable into any occupational group that you have to weave in the the obligation to, to work hard and do what is laid out for you. But also, uh, it used to be not in vogue to be self-interested, but now it's imperative that you drive your career and you look at those other options. So that's, that's a, a point, whether you're in athletics or in private industry. Uh, if you look at... Uh, uh, your college selection. Just one last question on your athletic career uh, before the pros. Uh, Why did you pick uh, the school you picked, and how would you make that? Only place I
1: wanted to go. Ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to go to Carolina. Um, there was no other place I really wanted to go. Um, I got into Oklahoma State. I got into Carolina. Some other places, but when I got that acceptance to Carolina, that was it for me. That was <laughs> that was just the place I wanted to go. Um, I didn't have. I an athlete, scholarship, offers of big schools like that. I was determined to go there for academics. Um, and I just decided I wanted to continue to play. And I walked on. And um, after two years, uh, I earned a full scholarship. I mean, after my first year, I got they paid for my summer school to stay on campus. And so that, it paid off for me because that was just, that was where my heart wanted to be.
0: All right. Now, you went into the pros and it's a lot different, obviously. What, what was the biggest difference in professional sports for you?
1: It truly is a business. Uh, there was no more, you know, playing around like it was in college. And, and it was strictly business. It was be here on time or you're fine. Meet your weight limit or you're fine. <laughs> you know, uh, it, was, it was strictly business. Uh, um, but it was still a lot of fun. I met a lot of guys. And, but the, I think the biggest thing for me was just the – The fact that it was so fast-paced, very aggressive, uh, and just one of those things that, you know, you really had to be on your A game at all times. There was no such thing as, you know, had a bad practice or, you know, like that. You you had to be on point at all times.
0: Yeah, there's always that uh, situation where, and I'm sure you were surrounded by people that had true great, stellar levels of athletic prowess. And and then you had people that probably, and this is true in all kinds of life, uh, they, they needed to, they had good skills, but they really needed to work uh, at a hundred percent to, to just stay where they are. And uh, did you have a combination of those people surrounding you that people that could take a day off mentally, but because of their a combination of intellect and skill still perform at a higher level. They didn't have to uh, put all the effort in that others do.
1: Yeah, I would say there were a couple of athletes that were, were like that. I remember Ben Coates uh, was such a, uh, a tight end. He was a great guy. And there was just something about him where he knew how to practice uh, and get his work done, but he knew how to just explode in the game. Uh um, okay. I would think, um, you know, he was just one guy that I really admired and, and had a lot of respect for. Um, he knew how to play the game. He was a veteran, and he just he, he just knew how to do it. But, yeah, there were a couple of guys that, that were like him that could do that.
0: Okay. And there is a uh, last question about pro sports. Uh, you were on winning teams. You were on losing teams. Uh, and we find ourselves in our professional work life sometimes on winning teams and on losing teams. Uh, what was your uh, key to maintaining your, your excellence as a player when you were surrounded by a losing record, let's say? For me, the,
1: the mentality of I will be the catalyst to turn this thing around, that my performance, my push, my drive, my ambition, if we're, not, if we're on a losing team, we're going we're gonna to turn this thing around and people will be talking about what we were able to do to fix this. Um, you know, like Carolina, they had just came out there, uh, their first, the last one in ten season, and when I got there, the rest for a and we went one in ten again. And I was determined that, with my work and with other guys with us, that we were going to turn that around. And by the time we left, um, my junior senior year, we went to two straight bowl games, uh, and then Carolina went to like eight of next <laughs> eight years of bowl games. And so we we were credited for turning that turning that that, uh, that team around and now our coach Brown, who was there is now back at carolina so i'm pretty excited about
0: that to see That's good. hopefully he can do that hopefully can do that again <laughs> okay now with the pro level you've already said it's a business so there's less um i suspect there's less emotion, you know connected to it because you don't have cheerleaders for coaches uh, in general uh you probably if, if i'm correct you probably worked uh with the Patriots and other teams, some that had winning records and others that didn't, uh, at a pro level, uh, any differences in terms of how you approach it or uh, challenges? No,
1: it's really the same mentality. Nobody likes to be a loser. Uh, nobody likes to be on a losing team. And so when you're surrounded by people who like that, I mean, you you, you pressure yourself and you find ways to get better. You find ways to challenge each other get better and so it's always that mentality of this is where we are right now but a little bit of work and some perseverance this is where we could be Uh, so i think it's even more at the professional level because you're talking about your livelihood talking about money you're talking about taking care of your family and your immediate family your extended family so it's probably even more pressure (laughs) at that level because Mm -hmm. And the
0: responsibility and it, that you have for others. I'm sorry. Uh, and then as a professional football player, we tend to focus, uh, and actually for any sport, we tend to focus on game day, so to speak, and what the person does. Uh, give me a slice of life of what uh, one of the days of the week leading up the game is all about. What do you do? Is it uh, going to classes? Is it studying on your own? Is it working out? Is it doing walkthroughs? What, what kind of typical day do you have in terms of time?
1: all of that so on a professional level it was you played on sunday come in for film on monday Tuesdays was an off day wednesday was you know four pads practice plus meetings and film thursday was full pads and meetings and films friday was maybe just uh helmets and then saturday was a travel day or walk through um for sunday so it was And as you played longer into the season, those times would vary, and what you did was based off of the wear and tear on your bodies, and who's hurting that kind of thing. Right. So your time was pretty much taken up, and on the college level, you had no time. (laughs) It was was all day. Classes had to be done by one o'clock. Then you'd be in meetings. You had to have lunch, and you'd be in meetings starting around two. You'd be out on the field between uh, three and six. 7.30, 7.30, between
0: 6
1: and 7.30 had to eat dinner, 7.30 and 9.30 you were in study hall. So, wow.
0: um, it was there was no the break. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, that sounds like a tough schedule to maintain. Uh, and, and how about uh, going ahead at the pro level? Uh, what's the most frustrating part of a job? We all know about the glory, you know, you meet great people, you get interviewed, you're being cheered by tens of thousands of people. Uh, what's the biggest frustration about being a professional athlete?
1: I think for the most part is, you know, people, everybody knows who you are. Um, so there really is no real privacy, so to speak. Yeah. So everywhere you go, um, people will know who you are and you get the question, which is which is okay now, but then sometimes when you're out with your family and you're out with your friends, you just kind of want to be kind of blend in, but, I mean, that's a small price to pay, but there really is no downside to it. It's just a lot of work, but it's a kid game, and it's yep. a lot of fun. And for us who've been playing for years, uh, we wouldn't trade that to anything.
0: Any uh, interesting or funny story you can recall? Yeah. Um,
1: the reason I got my name, Laptop, was uh, every summer that I was in New England, I was working in IT at Reebok. Uh, so I was, that's why I was honing my skills in technology. And so one day, uh, his secretary was having some problems with her computer. So he comes into the office, I'm sitting at her computer running diagnostics on it and trying to, you know, get to speed up and fix some of the problems she's having. And so when Parcell walks into the office, he sees this, and he, ever since then, he asked me what I was doing. I told him. And ever since then, he calls me Laptop. <laughs> and so out,
0: out
1: on the field, he would call me that.
0: Oh, that's he funny. Say, he
1: would say Laptop, it took you too much. Just react, just react.
0: <laughs> all right. It's, and I'm sure there was no adjective before Laptop when you missed a block or something not. like that. Okay, all right. Of course not. My laptop's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, what we're going to do now is uh, because of the uh, length and breadth of your career, we're going to now focus on your... Uh, IT background. And you've already talked about the fact that you had that interest. It was ongoing interest while you were in school and uh, when you became a pro. But tell us briefly about how you migrated from a professional athlete into a a technical field in the kind of managerial role you have. Yeah,
1: for me, it was really, uh, I love problem solving. I like, understand that something is broken is not something I work in probably then finding a way to get it fixed and get it operating the way it should and so when I started uh, my career at um, Reebok the first thing I did was my first summer I did a, um, a track where I, I spent two weeks in six different areas and IT was one of them so that I came back the following year and every year since Say after that I stayed in IT because that spoke to me um, mm-hmm. that I'm lucky to fix that ability to understand technology and emerging technologies uh, was important. So I spent, you know, 10 years after I got finished playing, uh, working there full time, uh, got a chance to travel the world doing technology, Um, you know, Hong Kong, Italy, Guangzhou, China. So it was a great aspect for me. Um, And then I came to Under Armour in 2007, spent 10 years there, uh, built up their EDI platform, uh, managing data, uh, transportation data going between our warehouse and our factories as well as to our customers. Um, and then they asked the last five years of that time I was there to really build out an HR technology platform to support uh, where the company company's going globally from an HR perspective. And so I built a team from scratch. Um, we managed 15 different systems, twenty different modules that's kind of what I'm doing today when I work for SAP. I'm considered a customer engagement executive where my main focus is cloud technology, cloud HR technology. And I work with a lot of big customers um, and helping them implement, uh, maintain, and adopt all the different technologies as they come out. So I'm really seeing it as a strategic partner and advisor in helping them get the most out of their platforms.
0: Okay. Given your description, the same kind of passion you had for football, uh- I think is uh self-evident here when you're describing what you do uh so you really have a high level of satisfaction in what you do now is that correct
1: love what i do <laughs> love what i do you know a friend of mine once said it's never it's not work when you love what you, what you do right. and i've been fortunate to have to look every job that i've ever had in life, beginning back to working at mcdonald's in high school so I have no sad story. I've had a great career and continue to have a great career. So I, and I just love what I do. And I'm able to put that same passion that I had in sports into what I do Uh, now. It's, it pays dividends for me.
0: And, And regardless of where a person started from, they don't have to be an athlete, uh, to go into this world of, of relationship, uh, you know, manager in, in kind of an IT function, uh, how how would a person do it? Do they obviously have to get the depth of competence, but what kind of roadmap do they typically have to get where you are? Internships,
1: uh, really got to find what your passion is. Um, my degree from Carolina, I'm a, a major in political science and sociology. Uh, in 2017, I finished my MBA at University of Maryland uh, in the, at College Park. Uh, but for me, it was, uh, it was when I found that technology and finding out that's what I wanted to do, that's what I pursued. So, even though my degree is not in that, that's where my passion was. And so, I think when people can match their passion uh, with the ability to take care of themselves through their passion,
0: yeah. that's
1: where the success is. And, I think, and uh, you got to be willing to make take that time and really figure out what is it that you really want to do.
0: Okay. And the other thing that is obvious is you have to work hard. You worked hard to attain professional success as a walk-on and you have to do the work and it's come up in a number of our other episodes and uh, that kind of transition you made had to require a lot of work clearly most definitely uh,
1: I, and that's my story mean, even in high school I mean in college it was the walk-on professionally I wasn't you know I wasn't drafted like everybody else I was a I was a free agent um, they signed me to come in Uh and they end up cutting a third round draft, making a 10 year veteran to keep me on a 53 man roster because of the work that I put in. Okay. Um, so my whole life has been based off of just proving people wrong, um, putting in the extra effort and the time and being willing to work for success. And I think when you have that desire and that passion to want to be the best at anything that you're doing, whether you're sweeping floors or you're the steel of a company,
0: you're going to be great at what you do. That's great. Uh, lastly, uh, you know a few people have a calling i believe you have a calling you you're a, a practicing pastor uh in a church and how did that evolve uh was that been a lifelong family oriented uh kind of uh, exposure that you've uh, been able to grow and uh, tell me a little bit about that
1: yeah my my faith has been a big part of my life um uh, growing up as a as a young person we were attended church on a regular basis uh, in college, things just got a little crazy and but my senior year I was able to kind of get myself back get to my roots and what i know um and so that kind of put me on a path uh to in addition to doing what I was doing you know on at in new england and and with the Redskins and with my my uh educational career it's kind of put me rooted and grounded me back to what i know and so um was served as a minister in was well, in Massachusetts when I finished playing uh, came to here came to Baltimore Maryland where um, um I continued my uh religious pursuits and uh became a pastor and I, I worked you know, for the organization that we am I'm on a trustee board I teach all the, all the ministers of our organization and I'm pastoring the church and uh, I'm only the second pastor of this particular ministry the current pastor, he's still here. He just turned it over to me, and he 90, he'll be 97 in May. But my faith has just been a big part of, of my life. It keeps me, as I said, rooted and grounded. It keeps things in perspective for me. You know, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. I realize that there's a, a bigger calling on my life, and there's a bigger influence in my life, the decisions that I make, the way that I talk, the way that I carry myself, I and so that's that's important to me.
0: Well that's great troy uh you know uh, part of what people are are striving for i think is balance in one's life and throughout your life you've had a lot of balance between your passion for your nine to five job if you will, whether it be in college or uh in in you know the pro level in the national football league or your i t role and this is just another example of balance than the the role that faith plays in in your uh, life, so well. This has been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, it's been I, I think very it's been entertaining, but it's been informative in a lot of ways. So uh, thank you very much, Roy Banner. Thanks, Fred. I appreciate the time.